Welcome to episode 439 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Sunday, March 19th. I'm your host, Paul Spohr, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going? It's going. I played some softball today for the first time in uh, six, seven years. Ooh, how um, it not too bad. I, I I didn't have to make a throw, so my shoulder held up. Good, uh, good. So that was the good news. And then I uh, got on base three times and scored twice. Uh, we lost ten. It was the most uh, insane game ever because I think both teams stranded like thirty runners. Oh my! I've never seen a softball game like this. We we had a triple. We were on defense for a triple play. Um, there were like eight double plays. It was the most insane co-ed game, but it was nice to get out there and play again, even though I was one of the oldest guys out there. That's awesome. Our co-ed league will start up pretty soon as well, and I, I really enjoy that. Monday nights playing softball, um, you know, in that similar vein, just because the, the weather's nice, or at least where I am, I feel like this is a new thing. Maybe it happens to me every year, and it's one of those things that's insignificant enough that I don't remember it. But do you get tricked by daylight savings time? Does this happen? Is this a, is this a regular thing? Or is this a, a loser thing? Because I've been tricked by it three days in a row because it's so like thinking bright. it's, it's earlier than it is or it's later than it really is earlier because it's so bright outside and, and we are getting sunny days. Like I think the biggest thing is that we're getting super warm sunny days. So it's like extra effect. Cause like right before the, the clock changed last week, we had a lot of gray days anyway. You couldn't tell, you know, you, you couldn't tell the difference between two o'clock and five o'clock anyway. Right. But now with the sun beaming, it's like, Oh, the sun's out so much. It must only be like three thirty or four and it's five forty five. And that seriously happened three days in a row. And it did today. I mean, we were done with softball. Our game was the two forty five. Figure we we're done by three forty five, four o'clock and, you know, went to go pick up some dinner. Uh, to bring home, and so I looked down. I was like, "It is dinner time. It's yeah. five thirty already." Yeah. <laughs> I didn't okay. realize that because it was bright as day. I'm not the only one out here. It's, it's, no. it's again a phenomenon that might happen yearly, and again could be so small that you're like, "Well, you're not going to remember that uh, each year." But this year is really getting me. Daylight savings time, tricking stupid people since whenever they created it. All right, we got lots to talk about. Um, this is the, this is the the crap time of year in terms of news because none of it's good. None of it's good. You got guys coming back from injury or getting hurt. I guess coming back from injury is, is good, but that means they were hurt. And so it's not that great to begin with. And, um, interestingly, we have four tidbits from, from the club that we just broke down, you know, and I on Friday when we talked about the Cleveland Indians, they've got comings and goings. Maybe, maybe enough, you know, guys coming to offset those going, but, uh, it, it's tough sledding for the AL champion, and we're going to start with Jason Kipnis, out four to five more weeks now with a shoulder issue. Shoulder issue that I believe he's had before, yes? Or or I know he's had shoulder issues before. He, I don't know if it's this exact one. Pick a body part he's had issues. Um, I believe two years ago. I believe two years ago. And this was this was always the knock on Jason Kipnis is, is the health. And, and here it is again. And for me with the shoulder – Shoulders and batters are as scary to me as pitchers and elbows. Uh, 100%. Uh, to this point, we saw it last year with Michael Brantley where we were being told, oh, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. Michael Brantley was going the you know full price. Um, even in Tout Wars, which was this weekend last year, 
Um, thank you, uh, Facebook memories uh, for reminding me of that. Uh, but it was this time last year and he was going full 18 bucks. I mean, there was, there was no discount on him and he had what 45 plate appearances last year and I might be on the high side there. Yeah, it was nothing for Brantley. Speaking of, by the way, let's, let's go ahead and loop, fold this in since you are talking about him. Uh, he's expected to join the team on Monday. Michael Brantley is. So, you know, they're losing one and getting the other. We have to obviously talk about both individually, but um, maybe maybe that helps offset it. You you mentioned it off the bat. This is the issue with Kipnis. This is what holds some people back. I've never been a Kipnis believer, and this is exactly why. He's played through some stuff in the past, and I respect him for doing that, but it's held down his numbers. And then um, every time he has a big spike here, he seems to kind of come back down to earth the very next year. And... This could be happening this year because of the injury again. He had a great fantasy year. His 107 OPS plus is not blowing the doors off, but an 811 OPS is perfectly fine with 23 homers, 82 ribbies, 91 runs, and 15 stolen base. That's a hell of a fantasy season for Kipnis. And if the shoulder lingers, he's going to come back down from it. And so I just, I don't mess with Kipnis, never really have. And of course, second base being as deep as it is this year, I wasn't going to even with a full clean bill of health. But where do you move him now uh, with at least a month? And, and you have been the one, or, or among them, I don't know if other people do it on other shows, that always promotes not getting too hyped on the date that we're given, four to five weeks. Then book six and, and work from there. You, you're always saying push it out further and then work backward from there if, if you get lucky. So let's call it six. Let's say a month and a half. And, and so we're not getting him back until May. May 1st? He's going to miss all of the first month, probably? Yeah. What do you do with yeah, Kipnis, then? I mean, right now, if you look at it by by playing time, you mentioned how deep second base is. If I just do a sort by projections and look at at-bats, Kipnis is barely in the top 25 at second base eligible. Now, that you know that, that pool's a little diluted with guys like Turner in it, Murphy in it, Matt Carpenter in it, Ben Zobrist in it. Uh, Segura in it, but that's where that, that's where he is in playing time. So I'm, I don't, I don't see a clear path to 500 at bats for him if he's going to miss this much time. And that's assuming he stays healthy the rest of the season. Uh, you know, I'm looking, when I look at where I value him, I'm, I'm cutting his value down by about 20%. Uh, coming into it. Whereas going into the draft, I may have been a little more, you know, I may have paid the 20 bucks for him. Let now me, there's no way. Let me hit you with some names for mixed league and then you can, you can crystallize your dollar value, um, for what's going to affect you next week, which is AL Tau. Uh, mixed league standard five by five. He was going in between DJ LeMayhew and Peraza. It was LeMayhew, Kipnis, Peraza at 87, 100, and 113 respectively. Are you jumping all the way down to, so here's the thing. The next guy down is 30 picks. So that kind of, that kind of builds in the drop almost. He doesn't necessarily have to drop that far down the second base rankings, but it will drop him in the average draft. If you take Kipnis, go from pick 100 to about pick 150, do you feel like that you're comfortable doing that? Yeah, that's a three-round discount. Okay. That I'm fine with. If but I look me, at like well, dollar, uh, go ahead. Say, let I'll, me give you I'll the names to go to go with it then, because just ahead of him then, if you put Kipnis down to 150, would be Dustin Pedroia. You like Pedroia or Kipnis? Uh, I like Pedroia because of the playing time. Okay, then just above uh, or just below him, he would be just uh, sorry. Pedroia was just above him. Just below him would be Jonathan Scope at pick one seventy. Do you like Scope or Kipnis? And you do get a little discount if you go Scope. Maybe it, it, when you're talking twenty picks apart, that's about a round. You wouldn't necessarily, if you really wanted the second base right there, you would probably just take Scope. 
even though he has right. a later ADP. So who do you prefer straight up, Kipnis or Scope? In a vacuum, I prefer Kipnis because he runs. I mean, with Scope, you're going to get more power, but there's more batting average risk, uh, and he's going to hit lower in the lineup, whereas Kipnis, when healthy, he's going to hit higher in the lineup. Uh, so that's where I, that's where I view him. I think you know, two other players you could look. I don't know where their ADP is, but – you know, given if it's a shoulder, it's going to discount some of his power too. It's like you know, a Kipnis or a Josh Harrison. Okay, a Kipnis or a Josh Harrison. See now, Harrison's all going all the way down at two seventy seven. He's about he's a forgotten man right now. And so, if you're saying between those two, I'm definitely going Harrison because even if I don't get that full price all the way down to two seventy seven, I'm at least getting into the two hundred. So I would rather take my shot on Harrison after pick two hundred than take Kipnis within pick the first two hundred picks. I think that that's an easy call for me with the price discrepancy. I was actually going to hit you with Forsyth. That's why I thought you were going to trump me on that. Forsyth and Devon Travis are at two two oh nine and two twenty three respectively. By the way, Forsyth's gone up, so I would not use his ADP, folks. I bet if you yeah, that's look at me driving his ass. Yeah, yeah, I bet if you look at like a last um, thirty days sort of thing, I bet he's a lot closer to Pedroia and Scope. So let's let's focus on Forsyth in that same group. Are you going with your boy Forsyth or Kipnis? Ah, uh, Forsyth. What about Travis? Another injury guy who that's the thing if he was healthy man if he, i'd loved travis coming into this uh you know he was part of my my off-season bold picks different types of things i like but he hasn't been 100 percent healthy in camp either Correct. so I, i'm need. worried there as well yeah and that's and not that he's running a ton anyhow but yeah lower half injuries concern me when you he's supposed to be uh and then now he's probably going to be stuck in the bottom of the lineup again i was more excited if he was going to hit high lineup but uh with his slow start he made up in the ninth hole again uh and that's not going to be that that uh lowers his value in my eyes that's a fair point but um maybe it's a hot take but i would actually take travis over him even at, at relatively equal cost so that's where we're at with kipnis in a mixed league 15 uh you know probably 12 to 15 teams sort of level there standard five by five now let's talk you don't have to give a specific dollar. Obviously, some of your competitors are listening, but you're going to go into tout the AL room next week and be looking at second baseman. It's 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 a different scope when you're cutting the leagues in half here and dealing with just the second base pool of the American League. I still think it's it's got some some good players to it, but that's that's a big leg cut out from under it to have a Kipnis who might miss a month or more. Where where where's the value changing for you there in an AL only situation? Um. I don't care if people are listening. Kipnis, I'm I'm not going above fifteen dollars. You hear that? They don't. He doesn't care if you're listening. Now, not like I'm chasing Glenn. him, but I mean, again, you've got the you've got Altuve, Dozier, Cano, Odor, Segura, Kinsler, Castro, Travis, Scope. I mean, there's enough guys there where you don't have to. And even if you want to, if you want to look at some speed options, you got Saladino and Mondesi Jr. down there if you want yeah. to do that. So you've got some flexibility there. I don't think there's a, I don't think, um, you have to go out and do that. I don't want to do that. You look at the similar price of some of the other guys we talked about. I'd rather go that way. If I'm going to spend 50 bucks, I want to spend somebody who's going to give me 140 games and I don't see that at a kick yeah, right now. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even pay that much personally. Uh, 15 bucks. So, uh, not, it's moot for me. I'm not going to be in the AL only, but, uh, I, I hear you. So there you go, Colton uh, and Wolfman. You, you got a little tidbit, uh, out of Jason. We're going to get, we're going to throw a few tidbits y'all's way to see if you guys can, 
uh, have a chance to beat Jason. I'm trash talking for you. Yeah, I, I can't spend I can't spend that money on him because I'm going to spend that on Ellsbury, right, Glenn and Rick? Oh, suck it! They love Ellsbury. <laughs> no, no, you're gonna. You know, I, I walk out of the room for the for the context for everybody. There was the one year where I spent money on Ellsbury, uh, and he he sucked. Every year I buy him, he sucks. Uh, and then the one year I got up and physically walked out of the room <laughs> to go take a leak because that's what I felt of Ellsbury. <laughs> I did yeah. not even participate in the auction. So uh, I I, I kind of feel that way now. By the way, I like I, I don't. He does not move the radar, move the needle for me at all. Uh, Jacoby Ellsbury, I never can. It's weird. You have certain guys that they just they never come up for you. You're never drafting them. They never. They, they're just like kind of off in the corner. And Ellsbury's like that for me. I never have him on teams. Uh, let's move to Cleveland's pitching because again, a coming and going sort of situation. Although we're not certain how much the coming back is for Carlos Carrasco, but he is he is scheduled to pitch in a minors game on Monday, which is positive news. I, I don't know, you know, if it's if it's earth shattering, but it is positive. Meanwhile, on the opposite end, if you were thinking that Carlos Carrasco might be out and somebody could emerge in his spot, and you thought that somebody could be Cody Anderson, a guy that uh, our, our very own website heralded last year, you know seeing some strong comparisons in his stuff to to Matt Harvey um you you can laugh at it now but like the, it was all there like you could you could totally see where it was coming from obviously it has not panned out he's playing more like thoracic outlet Matt Harvey and now he's going to get Tommy John himself so Cody Anderson's done he's not an option Carlos Carrasco working his way back how do you feel right now about uh, about those two situations in the Cleveland rotation um i'm not very happy about it i mean Carrasco the concern here is that now that we have Price and Carrasco down, we have, we have question marks around them. That then is going to take pricing up on your next guy, you know, especially in your AL league. It's going to happen overall, uh, for everybody. But for me, that's going to take your next, when you look at what the, the way the AL plays out, Sale, Kluber, uh, Quintana, Archer, Verlander, Hamels, you know, that tier is going to get a little bit of a bump uh, because, you know, Price and Carrasco, who should be right there in that top five, are out uh, of that top five. And that's going to bump that up a little bit. Okay, so so Carrasco comes out tomorrow throwing 95, looking sharp. How how much confidence would you take for that from like a three-inning, everything checks out, they say? Cautiously optimistic, but I'm trying to look up his, uh, I want to see what he went for in labor, uh, to see what his labor price was, because, you know, this was when he was healthy. I want to say he went $22. 21? Okay, 21 was another. It was 20, 21, 22 bucks, uh, for Carrasco when he was $22 to Eno. Good call. God, I'm always, 22. I'm always crapping on Eno's team. Right? Oh, did you say, uh, yeah, you were saying that how Carrasco was one of the dumbest buys that you had seen. Actually. Three podcasts in a row. Yeah. Three podcasts in yeah. a row. I've trashed something. No, I'm not crazy. even trashed this, but this was when he was healthy. Uh, he was $22. Um, going into this weekend, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if he goes 20. We'll see how this, if he, you know, obviously if things aren't very clear coming out of this, I think he's throwing tomorrow or today yes. as you're listening. Um, if there's any, doubt there i don't know if he goes twenty dollars which is a shame too so then okay you take let's say they aren't clear on where he's going to be and that knocks him down four or five dollars then i guess you put another dollar in value on archer and and uh sale and kluber and verlander those types you just yeah you just spread that money out a little bit but that bumps that price up a little bit Uh, because pricing uh it, it was a little different in uh in labor like Kluber went 29. I think Sale went 30 and, and Darvish went 30. Went 30. Yeah. The Darvish, I, I saw a NFBC, uh, AL only auction the other day. Uh, Todd Zola shared some data with me. $32 for Darvish in the AL only, 
uh, NFBC. So with that American strikeout, League, they, Strasburg. Pretty much, pretty I, much. I, I love both, by the way. That's not even like a, a, a slam to anybody that's buying in. I, I keep falling for these two guys every single year too, but I feel like it's pretty comparable to, to, to call him American League Strasburg at this point. And so you, you got to be careful. I think you're really hitting on a big point here that this is going to change the dynamic. And let, it, let's again bring in our next piece of news because that also changes the dynamic in the middle. Uh, or, mm-hmm. or back end of, of rotations. Maybe if you're looking, hey, I don't want to mess around at the top so much. I'll work in the middle and I'll get this guy, Drew Pomerantz. Well, now that's going to change a little bit because he leaves with triceps tightness. And again, hardly a bastion of health uh, is Pomerantz. That's really been his bugaboo throughout his career. Wide, widely heralded, great prospect, has shown flashes of brilliance, uh, you know, sustained flashes months at a time here. But the dude can't stay healthy, and I think that's a big question now going in. How do you assess uh, Drew Pomeranz on the on the heels of this news, which right now is still murky, but right uh, as we know it is not very positive. No, and the thing is, people, we talked a little bit about this last year. Uh, this was the risk with Pomeranz because he was going from 70 innings to 86 to 171 uh, over his workload. So. This was my only concern with, uh, the, this was one of my concerns with him last year from the skill set, from the adding the new pitch, uh, you know, using the cutter and giving him that extra weapon. I, that's what I liked about him. And I know he had a rough start going uh, to the AL once he left San Diego, but he picked it up there uh, towards the, really towards the end, closed nicely. But when you've got that kind of workload increase, uh, it, it doesn't surprise me that this is coming up. I mean, he went for eleven dollars uh, in labor and AL labor. And you look at some of the other pitchers that went around him at the exact same price. And I'm just reading these in order: Jake Odorizzi, Michael Pineda, Sean Manaya, Matt Shoemaker, Jarrell Cotton. Those all, all, of the, all those guys and Pomeranz each went for eleven dollars. Quite frankly, I, I like all four of those guys better than Drew Pomeranz already uh, before this. Who before this news, sorry, now with the, this was this was Odorizzi, Pineda, Manaya, Shoemaker, and Cotton. Okay, okay. So at that point, I, I mean, I'd, I'd like all those guys better than Pomeranz already because I already had uh, baked in this concern with Pomeranz that he was going to miss some time. Uh, now I'm, you know, now I'm looking at him and, and trying to and looking at him saying 150. And if everybody else, if I'm looking at everybody else's 170 innings pitcher, that's three fewer starts uh, than the rest of three to four fewer starts than the rest of the group. And uh, that's where I view him. I don't know if he's going to go. I, I don't know if he makes it double digits this weekend. Yeah, yeah. Drew Pomeranz right now, I'm looking at uh, just at Rotowire's auction values, which I think has, has this news baked in. They at least have the day-to-day sign next to him. Ten bucks is what they're saying in AL only. And so it's right on the cusp there that you're saying he might not go for ten bucks. So... Um, you might be able to get a disc. I mean, you should be able to get a discount, but it's it's because of the inherent risk. So I don't even know that it's necessarily worth diving in on. If you're a multi leaguer and you want to get like one share, I get it, but I'm not going out and just like stocking up on Drew Pomerantz at this point. Um, it, we're, and you we're like seeing him. a pattern exactly, exactly. This is a, a, a pro Pomerantz person. I'll get my one share just just to kind of stay invested, but uh, not not a multi not a multi league guy for me. Right, hey, two, speaking of guys you like. Uh-oh. This is a bad No, the next guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. My, my, no. <laughs> my favorite player, J.D. Martinez. Another injury. Uh, last one he got last year, you know, you give him a little bit of a break, kind of a freak accident running into the wall. Although if you could say, hey, you know, 
don't run like be a better defender and not run into the wall. But either way, I, I'm not killing him on that as if that makes him injury prone. But now, foot sprain, looking to get a second opinion. Uh, this is this is shadowy right now because they're going to get the MRI and the second opinion before making any announcement. It happened again while he was in the outfield, and so he get hurt twice, potentially severely both times. I mean, maybe maybe we, maybe we do go back and we say, okay, that shoulder in, or that elbow injury where you crash into the wall in Kansas City, maybe that is on you a little bit. Uh, maybe good defenders don't let that happen. Their, their spatial awareness out there and their ability to know what's going on in the outfield makes them, uh, better at preventing something. I, mean, I could be full crap on that. I, I'm not, I'm not trying to shade JD, but I want to be realistic about it too and say, maybe it is now because the second injury where he gets hurt in the outfield, I'm worried about this, not just because it's for my favorite team, but because I think JD Martinez is a really nice, uh, bit of a bargain where he's going. An upper round bargain, which means a few picks difference can, can mean a lot. Uh, and for the power that we, he's displayed for the last few years that we've seen from him, I feel like he's been going a little bit cheaper than he should. But now you got another lingering injury issue. This could be a situation where he's about to miss time. How do you feel about JD Martinez and a foot issue that we don't know a lot of, uh, news on just yet? I mean, hopefully it's not plantar fat. Hopefully this is just a sprain, not the thing that, that bogged down pool holes. Um, or, or, I just, or not Liz Frank, sir. Like, a, oh yeah, that's so who's Frank. the, uh, who's got busted with a Liz Frank in the last couple of years outfielder? Was it Jay Bruce? Was he one of the guys, um, that got popped? I'm afraid there was another guy. Um, I forgot. There's a, another guy recently that had that, uh, within the last couple of years that had that particular, um, injury. And that's what I can't remember. You talk about him and I'll try to figure it out. You, you talk about JD Martinez and I'll try to figure out who had the Liz frame. Yeah. If I, I, I did, again, just because I have the AL labor prices up, I'm looking at it. You know, uh, Justin Upton went $26 and Martinez went $27. You know, perhaps those prices flip here a little bit. If the news, if the news is okay. I mean, it's not like this injury is something that just got that, goes completely away. Logan Morrison, by the way, was the guy that had it. Alan Craig was the other guy I was thinking of. Who was it? Who was the first Alan guy? Craig, the wrench. Oh, the wrench. The wrench has been devastated by uh, injuries. Yeah. He's done. I mean, he's pretty much done. So that's terrible. I, yeah, I couldn't find him. I'm a bad Googler. Um, if that's what we're looking at with, with, with JD, with Martinez, that's, that'd be tough. That'd be really tough because, you know, he's, he's 29 as well. This is not some, some young buck. Uh, we're in the midst of his prime and as the injuries start right. to stack up. And it's his walk here, right? Uh, yes. And, and that's another, you know, bummer. That's more of a real life bummer for the Tigers because if they don't go as planned, if they, if they can't play in the trajectory that they've been playing in spring training when they got no hit, um, then he would be a great asset to trade JD Martinez would. So this is bad all around. Um, let's talk about, let's talk about where he might move him off of this before. Obviously we don't know anything just yet. So. Maybe it's not worth going too deep because things could change on a dime tomorrow. But just right. as an idea, he's the 12th outfielder off the board, 52nd pick. How much are you changing him right now if they say he's going to be out for the first two weeks of the season? Uh, maybe a dollar a week at okay. this point. So bump down just a couple bucks yeah, and, and, and go from there. And then so move him kind of close to where Justin Upton is then from pick 52 to about pick 82? So you move down yeah, two I mean, rounds they're, as they're, well? they were close. Yeah, I'm moving them down one and a half to two rounds. Okay. I mean, by the way, the only reason I mentioned the walk year, I don't believe in guys having big years in their walk years. I'm only mentioning it for those of you all who play in tough luck single leagues, like yes. my home leagues are. 
Uh, you know, if, I think that's where it's beneficial. I mentioned last week, um, using draft software. This is one of the things that I like to go do in the draft software is I create one of the player flags in Rotolab and change the category to walkier. And then I go to MLB trade rumors and go to look at the free agents and I check those guys off. So as I'm looking to, as I'm, if it's a tiebreaker thing for me. Uh, so if I'm coming down to uh, a JD Martin, looking at JD Martinez or Justin Upton, Upton's not in a walk year, Martinez is, and it's my pick, and it's a keeper league, I'm going to go ahead and take Upton because uh, I don't want to lose. I don't want to completely lose and get, and yay, I get some free agent money back. whoop de yeah, do uh, You know, so I, I put those down just as a reminder, especially if you're chasing players late in the draft and you're looking at position, you know, it's it's always a safer bet to go ahead and take the guy that you know is going to, that has a better chance. I'm not going to say anybody because there was a, there was one or two guys last year that got flopped out of nowhere. You're like, wait, why? What? No, 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 no. They weren't in Milwaukee. There was nothing happening. And they ended up getting sent away. I think uh, uh, Pomerantz was one of those guys. I was surprised that the Padres traded him, but they they went ahead and moved him out. Like, I had Pomerantz and Rich Hill on the same NL staff last year. I lost oh, them both. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, That's there were two tough. late picks for me. Lost them both. And that sucked. SOL Still finished leagues, second in that league, though. SOL leagues are, are stupid. I play in one. Um, it's like the longest one I played in, the, only, the one I always talk about with my parents. They don't yeah. want to change it. It's stupid. SOL. I only do it. I only because it's a home league and I like the yeah. live draft thing. So that's, that's thing. why I'm like, it's my only flaw with the leagues. And, um, and I know a few of the guys listen. Hi guys. Um, it's just that's my only flaw, and I wish we could change it. But yeah, you know, it, that's some people say that is what an only league is for, and yeah. you know, that's it. It, it, it does suppress a little bit of prices. It does yeah. suppress a little bit of prices. It's it's just another factor to play with. You know, it does add a little bit more volatility though in an already volatile environment. I think that's the problem I have with it is that it can completely change a race for no good reason. You know, there's no skill involved if your guy gets moved, um, to the National League in a deal and, and you lose like your biggest bat or something. So, right. you know, the one other thing I would say about walk years that I think the data has been proven that they don't show like major improvements. The one thing that you, that you mostly see is that guys will, will play more, um, and that kind of creates that walk-year effect is that they'll play maybe through nagging injuries. So if this isn't something that's going to be major for, for J.D. Martinez and it is instead something that he misses a week here in spring training and then comes back and kind of has to play through it, maybe he would he would play through it a little bit more in a walk-year than he would, say, in another year where he could just take the two weeks off and, and kind of get back to it. That's the another factor that you have to look for in walk-year. The other thing here is he has to play the field. I mean, it's not like they're going to put Victor Martinez on the bench. Well, Victor Martinez can't play anywhere else. Exactly. It's that he has to play the outfield to be to be at the plate. He can play first, Victor can, but then Miguel has to, you know, Miguel Cabrera has to DH. So, you know, that's that's part of the reason they traded um, Prince Fielder. You know, even if the, even even if Ian Kinsler hadn't completely won that deal, even if uh, Fielder was still raking and and Kinsler was kind of smoothing out and being like a, a 105 OPS plus player every year, that trade was still going to be a positive for Detroit just to clear some of that log jam, which they still have because they have yeah. multiple DHs. J.D. Martinez should probably be a DH, although that might go back toward what we were just saying and protect you a little bit from an NL trade if if you feel like, well, he can't, he shouldn't really be playing the field. Maybe AL teams will look at him. So it's just more stuff, you know, just more calculus that you have to do, uh, if you play in an SOL league. Let's move on to a bigger injury that we know 
uh, bigger in terms of the severity of it, not necessarily bigger impact in the fantasy market. But Martin Prado has a hamstring strain. He's going to be out at least all of April, potentially longer. Man. Again, not a big mover and shaker in terms of fantasy, but it's it's a hit. And this was a guy that you could put in at your corner and really get some um, really get some quality batting average. Like this guy, you know, when they when they say the term professional hitter, we all know what that means. Yes, they're all professionals, but we know what the connotation means. The dude trolls the bat, makes contact, piles up hits, can just you know gets the job done. Doesn't do anything spectacular elsewhere, but is always in that like 280 to to 310 310 range batting average wise. So it is a little bit of a loss in in the pool, particularly that third base pool that we've talked about being so deep. How do you feel about Prado's injury that's going to cost him at least the first month of the season? And Derek Dietrich, who's going to fill in? Uh, I like Dietrich. The issue with Dietrich is that he needs a platoon partner. I mean, you don't want Dietrich playing every day. He just does not hit lefties. I do like his upside against righties, uh, but he needs a platoon partner. So that means Miguel Rojas is likely going to get that playing time. Uh, I don't know how they're going to move guys around because it's not like they can – make Echeverria a, a third baseman, but I guess Rojas is just going to have to play third base, a Rojas and Dietrich platoon. It's going to be down in the seven hole or the eight hole of this lineup anyhow. Um, I don't really think it helps either. In, in a 12-team NL, Dietrich gets probably a $2 bump um, out of this. It just really stinks with Prado because he, he hits for a high average, drives in a decent amount of runs for where he hits in the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um that's really where it hurts. Uh, yeah. And not to mention the position is not terribly deep anyhow. Well, I think third base in mixed leagues is absolutely deep. I disagree with you there, but maybe in the NL only situation it That's where I'm at. But yeah, um, if you, well, there is a little bit of an issue with it. I, I, I will, I will give back a little bit on that because some of the depth is fake depth. And what I mean is that the top four guys are all first rounders. You only have a shot at one of them. So can you really count that, you know, can you count that depth? I guess you still can because three other teams are going to get a third baseman and so they're not going to mess with Seager, Carpenter, Frazier, Beltre, Rendon, the guys after that. So I guess it still counts, but it's not like you have chances to get all four of those guys. You can get one. Um, I don't think there's any scenarios where you're getting two. Maybe sometimes Josh Donaldson falls, but for the most part, it's just the one guy. But, uh, you know, Prado was in a, in a pretty big cluster down there with, uh, Matt Duffy, Danny Valencia, Travis Shaw, Anger Salarte, Pablo Sandoval. And so that was, that was all 25 and later among third base. Right. So third base pretty deep, mixed league style. NL could, it takes a little bit of a hit. I guess my issue, I guess my issue here with NL third baseman, uh, is a lot of these guys qualify at multiple positions. So if I'm looking at strict third base, you know, nobody's drafting Villar to play third base. You're not drafting Matt Carpenter for third base. Maybe, I mean, you're going to take advantage of the other position eligibility well, has. Well, wait. You know, well, go where, ahead. Where, where would you, where would you play Carpenter? Uh, put him a second if I want to. Put Isn't him a second I mean, deeper. I think seconds deep. I'm just saying. I mean, we we got a we've got a lot of multi-positional guys here at third base. So if we look at in, in the NL, Carpenter's one of those. Perez, uh, Baez, Jerko, Shaw, uh, Hell, these Brian different is. types. Bryant has outfield too, and you might you might prefer right. him in the outfield to be quite honest. Right. So, so this is kind of where 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 Prado may be a guy that you could have picked up. You know, later in it now, I mean, he may have been a ten to twelve dollar guy, but if he's going to miss a month, that makes him low. I mean, how do you get? He's going to lose seventy five to eighty at bats. And 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 the big part of his value is 
piling up those at-bats with the batting average. Absolutely. No, I, I, I take your point on, on Prado for sure. He's a $5 player and NL only at this point. I'll That's just that. an empty average. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, all right. Let's talk Oakland because, uh, they're probably going to win the World Series this year. You know, if I, if I, I'm not, that's not my official guess, but like just looking at off the top. Have you rewatched Moneyball again? I did on the airplane last week. I haven't recently, but I still love it. And I listen to the audiobook like once a year because that's the life I lead and, and, and why not? So, um, no, I, I guess after you watch Moneyball, you definitely think they're going to win the World Series. But I just looked at that roster and I'm very certain that they're not, but there is some fantasy intrigue to it, even though it is, uh, a downtrodden roster, one of the worst in the league, I would say. Uh, let's start with their, their most fantasy relevant player, their, their best fantasy asset this year. Uh, Chris Davis. Chris with a K. K. Riss Davis. Beasting. Monstrous season last year. His power plays everywhere, y'all. I believe you might have heard that on a certain podcast last year. Not that we said he was going to hit 42, but just weren't <sighs> concerned about his power. Goes out I 40- think certain podcasts that he's just going to hit everywhere and go ahead and take care of the discount. Hey, and, and what'd you get? You got, you got everything you could have wanted last year. 42 and 102, 85 runs on that team. Same 247 average. You, you, you adjust around the batting average and you take the obscene power. What's he do for an encore? Chris Davis in Oakland. 250, 35, 90. Done. Done. I really don't feel like we need to go any deeper. This guy is a true power hitter in the midst of his prime. I think he's just going to continue to hit for power. It doesn't matter where he plays. That park, uh, if you hit fly balls and he does, it's not that bad. It's really not. So, okay, Chris Davis, done. Let's move on to sleeper sensation. Ryan Healy uh, is also raking in spring. And you know I'm not a big spring number guy at all. In fact, I often advocate against really focusing on them at all. But I'm only bringing it up because we do play in a market with many other thinkers. And other people will look at stuff. And so if they're saying, oh, He's a sleeper on this list. Like he's that, he's one of the, he's a wide awake sleeper, as I like to call them. Uh, Ryan Healy's on everybody's sleeper list. Eno was the one that really started driving the bandwagon and I jumped on and said, we got to promote this to high heaven because I love this guy. So I'm a huge Ryan Healy fan because of Eno. And then other people start talking, like it, 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 it's, he's not really hidden. Price isn't high, but he's also raking in spring. How do you feel about Ryan, Ryan Healy, uh, as you enter an AL only draft next week or auction, excuse me? Uh, I feel pretty good about him. When you look across what's able to, I mean, the projection systems like him, steamers on the low end of homers, the, the fans are pretty much in line with zips, a little high on the batting average. And then you go look at the, the player note that Edo wrote, said bet on better than 280 and more than 24 home runs from the Athletics' new third baseman. And you're like, okay, that's, that, that's getting, that's getting, uh, pretty hefty, but, uh, you know, when you, when you look at, where things are, there's, there is a lot of depth at third base and you don't have to go chase the name if you're, if you're really high on that particular. Um, about, I think I'm not there at the 20 homers thing yet because I'm on the, I'm on the cautiously pessimistic side overall with the league. Again, I've said it a few times now. Power's gone up exponentially the last two seasons. And I know that we've had the, the, the change in uh, guys doing the launch angle. Uh, you know, Donaldson, JD Martinez, uh, Justin has been Justin Turner multiple articles uh, 
I, I saw that David Laurel wrote one, talked about Adam, uh, Adam Zinner, uh, Alan Zinner, the head of the hitting coach of the Padres, uh, talking about all that different types of well, things. And I saw Jeff Sullivan said the home run rate last year went up because of pitches in the lower third of the strike zone, whereas the middle and the high were, were all the same. Uh, so that said, I, I still don't feel like we, we have another level of power coming. So sure. when I, with guys with the lack of the track record, I'm going to say he's going to hit fewer. I'm more in line with where the steamer projections have him, 274, 17 home runs. Um, but that's still really good from the corner. Just third base has got a lot of eyes this year. That, that's and the, the AL side. This well, is the AL. I know it contradicts my handle opinion, but that, there's a lot of guys that are in the AL side this year. And, and mixed league too, I think, is, is what you end up with, is that you can, that, that's why I said, even though he is a wide awake sleeper, Ryan Healy is not really that expensive, and I've, I've been pretty surprised. Uh, at the market, not really getting too crazy. He's around pick 200. I think that's completely fair. Now, the, the high end of his market is 122. That's higher than I'm willing to go. I think that that's a, a, a bit insane because that puts him in the range of Michael Franco, Justin Turner, Javier Baez, and, and a round or two ahead of Jake Lamb. And so um, I, I would take all those guys ahead of him, but I still really like Ryan Healy. I don't think you have to pay too much. Slot him in that corner. That totally works. The dude just hits, and so yeah, he might only hit 17, but I think he can hit 285 then, or he, you know, goes for the power a little bit more, hits something over 20, and then he's closer to 270. Solid player though. Keep Ryan Healy on your radar for sure, and it's nice to see him crushing in spring. And he's one of the cheaper guys that's going to hit in the middle of the lineup. And we're talking about a guy that's going to hit third, fourth, or fifth. We don't know which way yet. He may just hit third, but he's still going to hit in the middle of the lineup. And it's tough to find at a at a 10 to 12. He went 13 in the AL uh, AL only labor. So you know the RBI chances he should get if he's hitting third with with Davis and Vote in front of him. If I'm looking at the projected lineup at roster resource, or if, if Joyce gets bumped ahead and they take advantage of uh, of Joyce's on base percentage against uh, against right-handed pitching, then perhaps the the RBI opportunities fall there, and uh, and a 65 to 70 RBI is, is on the low end. Uh, and you can get guys that hit in the middle of the lineup for 10 to 13 dollars in a single league format. You got to enjoy that. I agree. I agree. Great call. So Ryan Healy, we're still very positive on him. Speaking of uh, of guys making changes, I'm gonna switch up on you just a little bit here on the on the rundown on these last two. Yonder Alonso is a guy that Eno recently wrote about making some changes of his own to his swing, and I can link to the article uh, in the rundown so you guys can take a look at it. It's really interesting because he, I mean he's gonna be I think 29 or 30 this year. He never has really panned out. Yonder Alonso was supposed to supposed to be better than this. Like never was going to be like a power monster, but was supposed to be peak James Loney for a few years. Like teens homers, good batting average. He's done the good batting average thing multiple times: two eighty two, two eighty one, two seventy three. Th- those all work, and and those are uh, a couple of those are in full seasons. A couple of them are in half seasons. He's also struggled to stay healthy. That's another issue. But he's going into his age thirty season. He's made some changes uh, in his wing and. It's paying dividends again in spring. I don't want to go crazy over 27 at-bats from a 30-year-old, but when you see changes and you see things happening, uh, 1078 OPS, eight walks, three strikeouts, you buying anything here out of Yonder Alonso? 
you know, at the price, I'm, I'm looking at the article right now. You could definitely see a couple of changes to it. I'm just looking at the two animations that haven't even gone down the rest of the article. But we're seeing the top hand come off the bat as it comes through on his follow through instead of last year's uh, keeping the two hands together on it. He's got more of the uh, pronounced leg kick up on the front of it. Mm-hmm. So it looks like he's, he's taking that approach that some of the other guys have been on being more aggressive towards that thing. And he's got nothing to lose. I mean, we, we know that the, the powers never, maybe he's been a five o'clock power guy, yeah. but yeah, it's never, he's never hit more than nine. He's never had a double digit home run season in his career that that said his career has mostly been his full-time career has mostly been in two of the biggest pitchers parks yeah, uh, in the league. so that's been a lot, that's but the swing has never been anything that, that confuses the power i mean if you want to throw you know kind of like if, if we compare this to the nl side the austin hedges all, all the all the hype that austin hedges seems to be getting lately as a second catcher because second catcher is absolutely ass terrible uh but austin hedges made his offensive improvements too maybe this is the the austin hedges of the american league where a guy that seems to go in a draft every year for a buck somebody will pay the money for him because like oh okay i need to start that and he went for three dollars to greg and sean and the a labor um auction again i don't think that's a target it's always the last remaining starter okay i guess i'll take him mm-hmm. maybe this is year he like the one year that james loney had everybody was like where the hell did that come from maybe this is a lot alonzo's year for uh the, to have his james loney year, oh and when, uh, where it kind of happens for him when loney spiked back was that with with the one when he spiked back with the rays and it was like hey james loney james loney doing some things is that the year you're talking about 2013 Yes, that's the year I'm talking so about. It, it, he came it, off his he came off his Yonder Alonzo like two forty nine, yes. two ninety three, three thirty six year, then hit two ninety nine, three forty eight, four thirty. With that's thirteen taters in six hundred right. plate appearances. So And there was some swing change there were some swing changes in play there too. Um I remember writing about some of them over at the the process report uh back then. So Yep. Perhaps so the upside. You may get a return on your investment if you yes. spend one to three bucks on Alonzo and an AL. That is Only. the upside. He's still not sleep relevant, but we're talking single league format here. Two ninety nine, thirteen seventy five. That's not nothing, but that's the upside. Like that is the perfect world. Everything works out for Yonder Alonso because I don't see any situation where this turns into twenty five bombs in a two eighty average. Oh God, so, no. That's what I'm saying. So like, keep it tempered. Even if you want to get hyped on this, just look at Loney twenty thirteen, and focus there. Uh, all right. Oof. We just talked about Loney when he was a Ray, and we're about to talk about an X-Ray. What is this, Ray's corner or what, Jason? Matt Joyce. Uh, don't worry, we're getting we're going to get in the Tigers' corner in a second, I think, too. Well, we're uh, technically in Tigers' corner with Matt Joyce. He was a, he was an OBP beast last year, 403, just walk right through the roof. Um, only played really only played versus lefties, excuse me, versus righties. The uh, the Pirates really protected him, and he ended up hitting 13 homers, kind of getting things back on track with that 403 OBP. Still only hit 242, but showed some power and, and on base. What do you expect out of him in Oakland? He shouldn't play against lefties. That's the thing with him. If you want, and Oakland's a per, this is where I like guys to get their landing spots. Uh, you know, teams that are smart enough to use them in their, in their particular format. The thing with, with Matt Joyce, if you use, if you look at his weighted runs created plus against right-handed pitching the last couple of years, now that, let's just forget 2015 ever happened. Okay. Because he was god awful against the Angel, with the Angels. But his weighted runs created plus, 2010 against righties, 151. 11, 
136. 2012, 126. 13, 121. 2014, 119. Uh, 2015 with the Angels, a very not nice 69. <laughs> and then 2016, 141. So he does his stuff. And as long as the team, as long as the team will say, okay, dude, it's a right handed on the mound, you're in there. Lefty pitch, lefty reliever comes in, you're out of there. And this is what they'll do because they could use Mark Canha, uh, as, as his bench hitter. Then this works. And I think there, there is value in a mixed league situation. It's really tough to have him. You don't want him with the extra playing time, but in the only league, there's value in these types of guys. I think we made the same case when we talked about Josh Reddick. Uh, we talked about Seth Smith. Guys that do well against the righties and that can sit against the lefts, they, they, they have a ceiling because you don't want the extra playing time. And if it comes, it's going to hurt their batting average. But there's some value there. with that. And I think he falls in there. And if he's going to hit higher in the lineup right now, they got him projected to hit fifth. Uh, roster resource does. Personally, I'd have him up there in the two because that's what he does. He knows how to get on base. You want to create those uh, those RBI opportunities. His on-base percentage in those years, 386, 361, 352, 348, 365, and 406 last year. Uh, against that's, that's right. That's what he does, man. Get him up higher in the lineup. And uh, th- there was a reason why I owned Matt Joyce for like five straight years in AL Tout Wars. Oh. It wasn't because he played for Tampa Bay. It's because that's what he did. Uh, and that's an OBP and, league. And that's an OBP league there, uh, in town the last couple of years. I even owned him in a batting average league, but there, every time I had a chance to draft him, I did except 2015. I finally said enough's enough because I didn't like what, I didn't like the way things were trending. Now he went to Pittsburgh last year and the first time I saw Matt Joyce, uh, in a game, I didn't recognize him. He made some changes at the plate too. You know, he, he had become, he, uh, he was too upright with Tampa Bay. He got down. Uh, his stance changed. As you could you could see differences in Matt Joyce last year. I'm not just talking about the beard that he grew at one point. Uh, he, he looked like a different guy at the plate, and that's where some of this stuff came from. Now, sure, there's going to be some regression baked in, but look at that track record against right-handed pitching. And again, if you're an if you're an AL only league, especially if it's an OBP league, um, if people are going to crap on because he's going to Oakland and because I focus on what he can't do, take advantage of the value of what he can do. I'm gonna do you solid. I'm gonna do you solid, Jason. I'm not even gonna ask you what you would pay because I guarantee he's on your list. I guarantee it. So that choice is always on my list. And everybody knows, and everybody knows it. But there is a price. There's a limit. There's a limit that I have. Well, they're going to have um, to figure it out because we're not yeah, giving it away. Yeah, they'll have to figure it out. But I'll tell you that limit is not a double digit limit. Okay. Okay. Good to know because it probably shouldn't be even in OBP league. Um, but it is nice to know that Matt Joyce is going to go out there and and give you some good OBP for about 300 plate appearances. He got 293 last year. Maybe gets 350 this year with Oakland. Um, I agree with you though. Should be batting two. Against righties and, and that, or again, yeah, against righties and that gives Rajay plenty of time to run too because you know he's going to take those pitches and, and let Rajay, uh, take his time trying to run off of first. All right, let's talk pitching on this club. There's some, there's some intrigue in their rotation, particularly at the top end. Um, Sonny Gray is, is, could get clearance to throw Monday and the intrigue was with him when it was looking like he was going to be healthy and coming back at a discount. Now he's just, uh, he, he's gotten blown up a few times and he's been down with injury. He could get clearance to throw Monday. Are you even looking at him right now or is Sonny Gray no. off your list? Okay. I thought so. No, pass. I mean, it re- really, it's coming off of what happened last year and now this year, he's still not out of the weeds this year. Um, you know, on paper, I, I, I'm looking at it. I've got him for, I'm, I'm probably optimistic saying 150 innings. 
But I, there are other options here in Oakland, and I don't think they have to push him. I agree. I agree. And so I'm actually out too. And I, I was in early, and then he got blown up and hurt with the lat, and now I'm moving out. Let's go to the, the options that, that do matter. And I'll just ask you either or, flat flat out, because they're pretty close in price. Drell Cotton or Sean Manaya, who do you like better? Sean Manaya. Why? Um, I like really how he pitched down the stretch uh, last year. Uh, same thing with Cotton. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna cheat and be on the size bias here. Uh, okay. Manai is just a bigger dude, uh, and a lot of his. We talked about a lot of the issues he had last year were against the righties. Uh, I think it's 20 home runs. 17 of them came against righties. Three against lefties. It, it seems to be one of those things where the, a little tweak could take him take him a while, uh, take him a, a, a good distance. I mean, Manai is going. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Manai is going uh, 14. I've seen him like 13 to 15 dollars uh, in, in auction values uh, in AL and uh, AL. What I'm focused on, so mixed, I'd probably put some around 10. I think there's a lot of helium, thanks to you uh, and and Derek and others on Cotton as well. Uh, but I'm gonna go with size buys. If you're gonna ask me who's good for 175 innings, I think Benaya's got the better shot of getting there. They both went 11 in AL labor in um, in NFBC. Their prices are actually pretty far apart. But again, these these could be skewed by early drafts where Cotton might not have even been much on the radar. Uh, pick 173 for Manaya, Pick 243 for Cotton. So I don't think that they should be that far apart. That's no pitcher. 44 and pitcher 69. Nice. Drill cotton. Very nice. Um, yeah, they're very close. Man, you make, you make compelling points. I would like to subscribe to your newsletter. I mean, maybe, maybe like a, a, a six out of 10, if you give me that choice, kind that, of, that, it, yeah. it's not terribly far apart. That's fair. But that, that's kind of where, that's where I have them right and now. And I, like, I, six, I, I prefer the other Yeah. I, I prefer Manaya. And, and that, that's completely, I think they're close enough. Holy crap. Disagreement to go preference. Hey, I think, your opinions are terrible, and I'm going to – no, I'm kidding. But they're $11 both in AL-only uh, labor. I think they're going to go pretty close next week. It is a preferential thing. I think you make a good point about holding up all year. Manai's had injury issues coming up, but what, when and both are, are kind of starting at zero – I, I get what you're saying about trusting Manaya to get there. I, I love, God, I love that change up from Cotton. So I do lean him, but again, it's a 60-40 thing. I'm going to have shares of both and, and probably multiple shares. I'm in on the on the middle of that uh, Oakland rotation. Let me hit you with a quick one before we get to the uh, the bullpen there. Jesse Hahn or Andrew Triggs? Who do you like better to to make an impact this year? And and you, you can know, throw I, you can throw in Graveman. I, I'm just not a Graveman guy at all. And some folks are, and they would probably say, "Why didn't you talk about him?" So feel free to throw him in. Uh, I, I don't I don't even really consider. I'm not a Graveman guy either. He doesn't strike out enough guys. Exactly. Okay. Uh, even for a, even for an only league format, I mean, I have a tough time going either way direction here because with Han, he he's on a new pitch tracker. He's going to go back to he's going to lower his arm slot. If you look back uh, to a couple of years ago, what really made him good was a lower arm slot. I don't know. I guess it was San Diego that got him a little higher. Yeah. Uh, and he was throwing harder, but he was movement out of it. So there's a whole, if you go to the new pitch tracker, there's a whole link uh, to an article uh, that talks about it. But I liked him. Yeah, I go back to a conversation that uh, I had with a scout that you and I both know in Arizona Fall League when, when Han was in Tampa Bay's organization. He said, that's the best pitcher in your organization right now. And this was 2014. Uh, and the curveball was always a good pitch. Uh, this was the year before he got hurt. Uh, yeah, so the curveball was always a good pitch. So if he's going to go have that 
breaking ball, and he's going to get more movement on his fastball by going to that lower arm slot, what made him look good. I think there's some value in there. And Triggs pitched well last year. Uh, honestly, this is like a 5-5 thing for me. I could go with both guys. I think that's completely fair. Um, yeah, I, I, just for the sake of being a little bit different, I'm just going to go 55-45 Han. Just ever so slightly to Han, but I completely get it. It's another preference thing. I think they'll go similar oh, prices. I have to do this. Han went for a buck to Eno, so I'm giving Eno a compliment. <gasps> and then Andrew Triggs went for three dollars to uh to Clay Lake at Rotowire. So uh Do you want to amend that and say that Han is the worst pick ever? No, no, no I, I, I don't. Okay. But okay. he 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 put him there. Uh and um you know, I, I have to give Eno one comp. You always gotta give somebody like, you know keep him one, just keep just terrible. But yeah. hey, you're really good here. Hey. Um Everything so. you've done has been terrible, but one dollar on Jesse Hahn, that was a good movie. You know, now go eat a Cheeto sandwich. No, I, th- I think, uh, I think. <laughs> that sounded disgusting, by the way. I was listening to that earlier this morning. Looked tremendous. I, I saw the picture of it. Says. I would eat that uh, in a moment. I want one right now. It'd be great, but, uh, I'm gonna eat dinner after this podcast. Now, maybe so. if you would take the Cheetos and crunch, crush them up into Cheeto dust, I like, like in, a, in a grind, and then yep. dump that across, maybe that. I like where you're at I, on that. I've done that with Dorito chips. Take Same. those and crush those suckers up and put that over a topping. Yep. That tastes good. But the whole Cheeto thing, when I saw the picture, okay. I was like, dude. <laughs> take take the notes, Eno. Make the changes. Eno doesn't listen to this podcast because he would get too roasted. It's right. like the old Matthew Berry thing. Just download. Don't listen. Exactly. Just as long as you're down. Uh, bullpen <laughs> time. Wide open bullpen here. We know that Oakland uh, is not going to get stuck to one guy and, j- and just go with him. I think everybody in this bullpen's paid, though, at least, except for maybe Ryan Dulce. So you pr- pretty much can kick him to the curb um, because they just they want somebody that's paid because the saves are going to uh, raise their price. So I think we're really looking at Madsen, the incumbent, Ryan Madsen, Sean Doolittle, like the the double incumbent or the former incumbent. You know, he, he was the guy a couple years ago. Santiago Casilla, former closer just across the bay. John Axford, former closer. And then Liam Hendricks, who, again, is probably too far down to really get consideration. I really think it's, I really think it's the three, Madsen, Doolittle, Casilla, but Axford has a way of sneaking into the ninth inning from time to time as well. So I'll just let you kind of use all four of them if you want. Who do you think gets the most saves in Oakland this year? And who would you bet on if those are two different, uh, who would you buy, I guess, if those are two different answers? Sure. So jumping over to, uh, the AL labor prices, Madsen went for $5, Casilla went for three, and Doolittle went for two. So that room, just spread the saves all over the place. And that's kind of where, and that's how I feel about it too, because, you know, Madsen is serviceable, but by no means does he have a full down lock on the job. And that's kind of the problem because Casilla has done the job. Doolittle has done the job. So it's one of these situations where you look at, okay, which closer could lose their job first? When you look at three guys that have options like that, they could do that really quickly. They could yeah. say, you know what? Ranson's had a bad week. You're gone. If he pulls a, a Ken Giles, he's 36. Not like he's a kid. It, you know, if, if you can yank him out, well, Cassia's 36 too, but Doolittle's 30. Uh, but if, 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 uh, Madsen has a, a Ken Giles start to the season, you could see him quickly losing his job like that. And the fact that he went for $5, uh, in AL labor was, was honestly a, a bit surprising because even with that, uh, even with the, his downside there, you could still look at 20 saves. So, um, I just, I'm, I'm, 
hesitant to go after somebody in a situation where they're not, where there's two options that could quickly go back in there. Um, if we compare it to somebody like your guy with Francisco Rodriguez, he doesn't really have that next guy behind him. Yeah, because Bruce Rondon's still too too sketchy, um, and 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 Jimenez is, is still too young. Hasn't debuted yet. Yeah, Joe, Joe right. Jimenez so, is kind of the next. The next big hope in the Detroit Tigers bullpen, and they're hoping right. for a Rondon Menez eventually. But I think K Rod, I agree with you, has a much longer leash than somebody like Madsen, even though they both are currently sitting in role. Uh, I think you almost judge uh, K Rod what not maybe not double the, like t- I guess double the price if if Madsen's going five. You got he was pay, thirteen. He was, was thirteen. Say, yeah, you got ten to twelve for K Rod. Okay, so I, I agree. with K Rod's like that that bottom tier is that bottom that bottom tier two guy. Yep. And then Madsen's probably your highest tier three closer. Good but that's the gap. That's the gap between the two because it's like Madsen, uh, Brandon Kinsler, and. You know, maybe the the uh, oh, Cam uh, Bedrosian. Yep. The if LA you yeah, Bedrosian. if you would assume Bedrosian, maybe he's that. Maybe he's that next guy. But those are the three guys I would consider the three quote unquote worst closing situations uh, in the AL when I look at that situation. But uh, Madsen seems to just keep falling later and later. I think in my own uh, the NFBC league, Madsen was a reserve pick. Uh, he just fell, even though saves are saves are of of the value there. He was just a guy that was all the way down there. Nobody nobody touched him. Um, and I'm trying to look it up now, but he went very late. Are you going for Doolittle? I'm not. Okay. I mean, if if he's there, I could throw a buck on the skills. Um, yeah, what's the max? The you go? What's the max you go? Al, just just the buck. And someone says two, you say I'm I'm done. I I, I would be comfortable throwing him out of two dollars. Okay. I'd like to do that in, in auctions as well. Just yep. say, you know, if I want to, if I want to buy one, I may, I, if you want somebody for one, you may as well, you may as well be willing to pay two. Cause if you weren't willing to pay three, then you lost out on the guy when you throw him out of one. Yeah. It, so it, I, I really don't would, like throwing guys out of one dollar. If you would pay more than one, then just say two. So you don't have to go through that. That's the better. That's the way to crystallize that thought. And I agree with you there. Um, uh, you know, you, you could quote unquote waste a dollar here and there sometimes if, if, if you get crickets on it. But you're, you're, you're taking calculated odds. You're trying to say, okay, there's multiple position, or there's multiple pitcher spots open for these teams here. They could easily say two, and I don't want to say three, so I'll just say two and try to close it off here. And if somebody says three, you move on. Um, do, I do like Doolittle still. I really do. Maybe it's because I like him on Twitter, and that's a bad idea to like draft somebody <laughs> because you, you think they're a cool dude, but. I'm still going to draft Trevor May, even though he's out with Tommy John. No, I'm kidding. Uh, get, feel better, Maybe Evaldi, too. Better. Feel better. Uh, yeah, Nathan Evaldi, he'll be my ace. And I'll have oh, there's Ryan match. Matt. It's a 22nd round. He went in the middle of the 22nd round in my 12-team NFBC league. cheap for, like, at least 12 saves. Like, he went right after Brandon Kinsler, and I would take Madsen over Kinsler any day of the week. Same. I've got nothing for Kinsler. I'm, if Brandon yeah. Kinsler listens to this, I'm sorry, dog. i got nothing for you. I don't know that you're going to be able to hold the job at all. I think... Trevor May throwing with his other arm should be closing ahead of you. That's where I'm at. I'm sorry, Brandon Kinsler. You never did anything to me. You seem like a decent enough dude, but damn, I don't think you're good at pitching. All right, let's talk prospects here and wrap this sucker up. Uh, they've got a few. They've got some that could make uh, some impact this year in Oakland. The, 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 about the next big hope. This is the save the Josh Donaldson deal hope here in Franklin Barreto. He's their biggest piece right now. He's their number one prospect. He's expected to impact or, or to hit this year, not necessarily impact, but he's expected to make the majors this year. We'll see if he can have impact right away as a shortstop second baseman with some punch uh, and some speed. Franklin Barreto, how do you feel about about him as a prospect and 
you specking on him in, at, at, at the auction, or are you trying to get him only reserves? That would be a reserve for me. Uh, but, you know, the path to, the, the path to playing time, I was having a discussion with somebody the other day and they, and, or earlier today, and, you know, they, 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 you were talking to somebody besides me today? Yeah, somebody. In fact, you're actually in this email chain where they were speculating oh. that somebody was like, hey, the last couple teams have won have really hit big with one of these rookies that get called up earlier. And you look at, you look at this Oakland roster and, you know, how, how far on the branch do you have to go out to figure out a Jed Lowry injury? Man, One, two inches. Uh, right? Actually, I went the other way on the branch, and it still broke because he, I don't know. I was trying to make a joke that, like, yeah. So you got you also have Trevor Plouffe. Let's say Plouffe. Let's say Plouffe doesn't work out. So there's two options right then and there um, that you could have something, yeah. uh, a, a, a way to playing time for him. And, and with Oakland, they, they they've seemed to once you're up, you're up. Yes, and exactly. that's where that's where I that's where I really like him. Uh, in that regard, that's right. That's why I like uh, Barreto because once he's up, I think he's going to stay up. And, and once he's playing, now he's going to have value. Now the thing of it is, only only five seconds at at AAA last year. Four games, eighteen plate appearances. He raked in them, but who cares? We're not we're not going to go crazy on that. Um, solid season in AA. Only twenty years old. So the fact that a seven fifty three OPS is not going to knock your socks off at double a but as a 20 year old it has a little bit more juice behind it and and so that's why even with limited experience in in triple a and double a was not the most eye-popping numbers they're still looking at him to come up this year because it's this guy who's advancing and, and showing that he's ready and and making adjustments at these uh, more competitive levels for his age that he might only need a month they might only say hey get get a month let's get to the deadline for the extra year maybe not super two just the extra right. year and then like you made the great point when they call somebody up they usually keep them up they say hey you're here now we're starting your clock let's play let's see what's going on and you know, they could say we want to keep him down until X amount of time and then Jed Lowry gets hurt and he's up before tax day. So I think keep Franklin Barreto on your radar in AL onlys because he could be making an impact this year and it could be a, a little bit of power and a, and a bunch of speed uh, in Oakland and playing time is king and they could give it to him. And the thing is he may not get first crack at it either because Chad Pender – yeah, he he has a full season in AAA. Uh, now he didn't exactly hit lights out down there, but he has a full season. Can play both second base and shortstop, uh, so he may get first crack. And he has MLB time he, too, right? Uh, yeah, he's got fifty-five plate appearances, uh, rather forgettable fifty-five, but sure. he has them. But a taste. Um, so he he would likely get first crack when I'm not even going to say if when Jed Lowry gets hurt. Sorry, Jed. So, but again, that Barreto could come up too uh, later time. So Pinder may get it out there, um, but yeah, Barreto's clearly the better guy here. Matt Chapman is another guy who uh, you know draws some draws some interesting attention as far as a, a hitting prospect in their system. He made his he made his debut in Triple A last year as well after a big Double A season. Now he was the other way. He had a big Double A season, but it get, it gets watered down a little bit when you acknowledge that he's 23 years old. So the fact that he went up to Triple A at 23 and and was not good for for his uh, 18 games. Actually, he had for power and he only hit 180 197 average, but he had a 513 slug. That strikes me as some BABIP issues. Now that I'm thinking about it, he had some swing and miss with 26 strikeouts. But he was probably babbipped a little bit otherwise there. But either way, I'm not again, we're not gonna overanalyze eighteen games. But Matt Chapman is a bat, bat first sort of guy, big power. Now the the thing of it is, he's third base, first base type, 
they have Plouffe and Alonzo. If Alonzo's kind of progressing and they want to give him a shot there, he's banking on Trevor Plouffe to do something. Uh, do you think that Adam Rosales would get that playing time first, or would they go to Chapman? But, sorry, I, I knocked the earbuds out of my ear halfway oh, no, through that, so right. I lost the, half the question. Matt, Matt Chapman potentially coming up this year. He's play, he's had a little bit of taste of AAA, but probably needs a little bit more. If if Trevor Plouffe got hurt, somebody we talked about earlier, you think they would just slot in Adam Rosales, one of their utility infielders, or would they dip down into the minors and bring up Chapman's power bat? Adam Rosales, the Oakland's version of Don Kelly? Yes, um, that's a great comparison. <laughs> Yeah, I don't Oakland know why Don Kelly's not the Team USA either. I mean, could you explain that one to me? Well, he should be playing first, batting, uh, batting, th- batting third. Yeah. Any anybody over anybody over um, um, jokes aside, Goldsmith. I'm five million percent surprised that he's not on the coaching staff. Like I am, <laughs> that's a legitimate surprise. I don't know if he had some family stuff going on. He wasn't available. The fact that Don Kelly is not on the, on first base, that Tom Brookins on first base, that's another big Leland guy, but the fact that they couldn't find a spot for him somewhere, maybe they have and we just don't know, but that surprises me to no end. You'd think Don Kelly would be right there, at least opening and packing, um, Leland Sigs for him. You know how they've smacked the pack when they first get it. You'd think Don Kelly could at least get a gig doing that for his marbles, but nevertheless, he's not there. Um, Adam Rosales though, would you think he would get the playing time first if, if someone like Poof went down? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, what, one of the things with Chapman, we're talking about a 30% strikeout rate in, at double A. Yeah. And that was a bump. And he was 22% in 15, 30% in double A. 23 is not terribly well, old for the level, but I mean, he turns 24 here at the end of next month. He was minus you know, less than a year age difference than, than the median or the weighted average that, that the, that baseball reference does. Like you should be dominating at 23 in double A's is my point. And the yeah. fact that he was still striking out that much is worrisome. And so, yeah, you're going to have BABIP issues when you can't make enough contact either with regards to that batting average in AAA. So I think he needs more seasoning. He would probably need a couple months down there. So if Ploof got hurt early, I think it would be Adam Rosales and not Matt Chapman. Let's talk about some of their pitching prospects. Grant Holmes, Frankie Montas, A.J. Puck, all recent acquire, uh, acquisitions, two via trade and then Puck via draft. They could all be up this year at some point. Again, we, we, we keep hammering the point. When they call somebody up, you know, when they like somebody, they will they will escalate them and give them their shot, especially with pitchers. They realize you got limited bullets, so if they're ready to fire now, fire them. Uh, how do you feel about these three guys, Montas, Grant Holmes, and A.J. Puck, as potential impact guys in AL only this year? Because I don't think they're mixed league viable at all right no. now. Agreed. Uh, Montas got my attention the other day because t- Susan Slusser tweeted out. She said in a little to, uh, get together with reporters, uh, reporters with reporters. Um, I like Billy reporters. Bean, yeah. Uh, Billy Bean mentions A still see Frankie Montas as a starter, but this year he's a bullpen option. Okay. So to me, that's getting him to the major leagues quicker. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's kind of what got raised my eyebrows like oh really does he uh, does he enter our saves conversation then or no because that would just escalate his price yeah no no i don't i don't i don't see him in that regard but that gets him to the that gets him into the swing gets him into a swing role yeah uh so that's where i was like okay i'm i'm really only thinking this year i'm not i'm not trying to think that far ahead but yeah if they're looking at him in that capacity and so i'm, I'm intrigued there i mean when you look at uh, somebody was talking the other day uh, about AJ Puke and really Puck Puke. <laughs> yeah, I was joking around it. I said went ahead and said it anyhow. Um, you know, 
I'm always right at the hesitant on pitching prospects. I want the guys that can help me this year, and that's where I see Montas is I can get use out of him this year if they're gonna if they're going to expedite his path to the major leagues by putting him in the bullpen. Then I'm, I'm more intrigued. I, I'm more intrigued by him. I mean, last year, if you look at the overall numbers, what he was able to do you know, pitching for Double A, Triple A. Uh, it was very brief, uh, what he pitched, but I mean, the strikeout rates, he's been able to strike out guys in the past, did it for the White Sox, he did it last year briefly, um, but let's get him in the bullpen and see what he can do fireballing and out of there. Holmes and, and Puck, uh, would, would be kind of upsets if they made it this year. They have 2018 ETAs, but these days, even with a, with a, a year out ETA, you have to at least acknowledge that they could get there this year. Um, I, I've, I've changed my scope on that with pitchers. Usually I'd say, oh, well, they're 18, not, don't worry about it. But things change so quickly in the game now, and teams are so more open as, as a whole, let alone their individual personalities. And we said Oakland's on the other side, uh, on the side of we'll call guys up early. The league calls guys up earlier now. So, uh, and they're even more so with it. So Puck and Holmes, are unlikely anyway. Uh, it might be September calls. Montas is the guy you could actually get something out of. If they bring him up and they let him throw some multi-inning stints and, and, and he can be like a two-inning guy, that could be a huge fantasy asset. It really could. Because if he could, if, if Montas comes up early or even breaks camp and they like carve out 90 innings for him, that could be 95 strikeouts. The dude yeah, it misses could be. bats. I mean, you could compare it to when we were talking about Joe uh, Jimenez uh, for your Tigers. I mean, similar makeup with the big fastball. <coughs> pardon me. The big fastball and the slider. Uh, that kind of combination, you put it in the pen and let it play up. There's a lot of fun swing and miss in that regard. And right. these were the, these are the guys that kind of jump out. I mean, when, when Edwin Diaz started doing what he did last year, I don't recall Edwin Diaz being drafted anywhere. Last year, uh, coming into auctions, now I'm not saying Montas is an Edwin Diaz, but I don't recall Edwin Diaz being drafted last year, and now he's going for eighteen twenty dollars. Not a chance. He was not drafted. No one, a lot of people don't, didn't even know about him. Uh, so, let alone drafting him. So, you're, are you saying Montas could evolve into that if, like, he took the role or something? Montas is somebody that's going to be on my reserve list in the AL league. Okay. Okay. And and if things like. It's not the craziest thing in the world that some of these relievers that we talked about that are older, not not fail, but actually excel and then get traded. And so then you're looking at Montas closing the last two months. Now, that's mapping out pretty damn far, the first four months of which you don't know what you're going to get. But we're saying this is a live arm that they want to have in the majors. When, when Like Jason said, the, the thing about the uh, – putting him in the bullpen for this year, even though they still see him as a starter, that means they want him getting major league time and learning at the big league club. That should be seen as a positive, even though it could result in, in a future in the bullpen, but that's all right. He's on the fringe anyway between bullpen and starter. I like this for Montas. I'm with you. AL only reserve, maybe $1, depending I mean, on how you set things up. Right. He's, I believe he's already been optioned down, correct? I think so. So I don't think he's breaking camp. I don't think he's breaking camp, nor should he. I mean, there's enough, there's enough talent in there, but it's not like there's, it's full of durability either. Well, and, uh, yeah. That's, that's kind of what I'm getting at. He may not be stash, you know, stash him down there, see how it played up in Sacramento, I believe is where they're at now, uh, and, and go from there. All right. Well, that sounds good. Any final thoughts on the A's at large, whether it's prospects or, or anybody else on the club that I didn't, uh, specific about? Um, no, not really. I mean, I think there's still, 
they don't have, like you said, Chris Davis is their star. Uh, and there's not, there's not a lot of quality. In fact, he would really be the only guy I would consider quality here. But there's a decent amount of quantity on this roster. And I, and that's where I, that's where I like it. There, there are enough, there are enough five to ten to twelve dollar options. Um, there where there's going to be at the end of the year, I could see, four or five guys potentially turning a profit on this team they are currently priced low. If you pick the right three to fives that turn into 13 to 15s on this team, it can be your game changer in an AL only. The crappy teams can be your game changer in your only leagues. They can be in your mixed leagues too, but specifically in only leagues. If you pick the right ones, if Matt Joyce, you know, really turns it up against righties and and not just uh, has the OBP, but also hits 270, and pops 22 homers somehow and, you know, 400 plate appearances. And so he goes from the 5 to 15. And, you know, Rajay Davis continues to dominate and nobody wants to pay for him. Or Steven Vogt stays healthy all year. If you find the right ones, those can be your game changers where things are really tough in a mixed league. So don't just ignore a team because they're bad. In fact, what I would say personally is go the complete opposite way. If a team is terrible, then that team up and down because it can be mined for fantasy value. Absolutely, and that's that's been there in past years uh, when when teams were absolutely terrible. That's when they're calling up their prospects and their prospects are playing, or the ones the guys that they have, they're playing them every day. So you're getting you're getting those types of that, that type of production. Not yep. that I say Oakland's going to be a terrible team, but again, there's a lot of quantity here uh, with a lot of upside, and you don't have to pay for it. These guys are all fairly priced, I would say, except for Cotton and Mania, because there's a lot of helium there. But you don't have to pay for it. But even them, yeah, yeah, they are a little bit over. You can almost make up the dollars by buying just another A somewhere else. You know, get Marcus Simeon $4 below value. And if you're kind of budgeting your auction, you're like, okay, I got him for, saved $4. And I spent those extra 4 on one of the pitchers that I liked. You know, you can make that sort of calculus if you want to still invest. But there's, those are the only two over investments. Like you said, everyone else is either at price or much, much cheaper than they should be. So that's how we feel about Oakland. Jason, you and I will be together next Sunday, next week. Yay. So we will figure something out in terms of recording and posting it. I don't have great details. I know that's a bit nebulous. Um, I'll keep you guys posted during the week when I do a couple episodes before I go to New York. But then you and I will get something going uh, probably with some other folks out there. I just know that you're glad that Eno's not going to be there because this feud has gone to the next oh, level. Oh, dude, it would be. We would have had to go find a court and just settle it on the court. Oh, um, you know. Now, we should try. I mean, if we could do something Friday, I would like to do a plan, Joe. Like, hey, this is what I plan on doing because that plan's been a bit nebulous of late as I've uh, every day I've been working, tweaking uh, with, different with types of things. With the email thread that I have, yeah. hadn't caught up on yet with uh, with. With, with Eno, which is weird. You guys are working together. I think it's more for the company thing because you can feel the hate in y'all's emails. Yeah, like we put aside our differences to help each other. Um, and then I don't know if we're, we won't be able to do a wrap up, like a post one because, uh, there won't be anywhere to record because I know I've got to help with the, with the mixed or maybe I don't have to this well, year. I don't know. I, I do then. I'm, I'm helping with one of them too. I don't know if it's yours or another one, but we'll, we'll do the, we'll do something on Friday. Hopefully we can get it up, um, Saturday evening or, or Sunday morning when you're already done. Obviously I don't want to yeah. have that out when you're, when you're still going, but either yeah, don't, if, whatever, whatever amount of money Eno offers you, don't post it on Saturday morning. <laughs> If if it doesn't come out during the weekend, it will be out Monday when I get back, uh, or, or Sunday night, Monday morning when I when I get back. Uh, but it just depends what sort of time I'll have available to to get it posted. I got to remember. Oh, you have put, booked your flight, right? 
I have finally booked my flight, Dad. I'm sorry. Did you book the one I tell you to book? I no, I had already gotten a good one that was just as good of a price. I swear. Okay, good. I swear. Um, and then when you sent out that info about getting from the different airports, everyone put that other info. So I'll be able to figure out how to get from the airport to the hotel as well. So I'm, I'm all set. That was a big weight off my shoulders to finally book my ticket, which yes, I did do last week and everyone else going had already done it like five weeks in advance or and whatever. Then, and for those listening, if you're in the area, the, uh, the Talwar stuff is at Rock and Riley's at Midtown. It's in the Renaissance Hotel on 37th and, uh, Sixth, I think it is. Uh, but you could look it up the rock and rock and it's open to the public, which is big difference from the last few years. Cause yeah. the last few years we've been in Sirius XM studios, um, which is cool, but it, you could not get in there. No. Uh, unless you're on the guest list and they gave us very number, a limited number of passes, but at least at rock and Riley's extra people can come. Uh, and if you can't make it, it's always going to be on Sirius XM fantasy sports. Uh, fantasy sports network is involved this year as well. I think mm-hmm. they're doing the video and Sirius XM is doing the audio, I believe is the way it's happening. I, I, we won't know until we get there. Um, because fantasy sports network is housed in that same hotel. Um, they've gotten off, they've got office space there. So that, that'll be, that'll be fun. So lots of coverage this year. And if you, uh, want to make it out, uh, please come by, say hi and, say hi, uh, say what's up and, and, and we'll hang. You know, I'll tell you what, one of my favorite, uh, Tout Wars pranks, was last year when one of your guest spots you put Eno Barris and you told Eno he was on the guest list. He gets to the front, shows his ID, it says Eno Saris. They don't let him in. He calls you and you ignored him. That was one of the most epic pranks ever. And the the craziest thing was he's not in any of the Tout Wars leagues. So he got out there specifically to support you and you left him there. It was oh, it was brilliant. See, this year, if he was going to come out, I, if we were going to be at SiriusXM, I was going to put down Kenny G, and, and they would absolutely <laughs> let him in. But. They wouldn't even check the idea. Oh, M- Mr. G, you're here. Uh, here's your pass. Feel free to go upstairs. Man, we are crushing it. I love you, you know. I love you, dude. Uh, Jason, I'll see you in a few days, man. See you Friday, bud. Peace.